All right. Uh, if you missed that first introduction, my name is Sean. I'm grateful to be here. Thank you guys for turning out on a chilly, wintry, cooler night. Um, hey, uh, let, me, let me begin by uh, doing something kind of fun. This is not going to be weird, I promise. All right. But I... <laughs> <laughs> it already got weird. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> no, here's what I want to do. I want to, I want to do a little visualization. Visualization. A little exercise, right? Can we do that? All right, it's not going to be weird. It's not going to be too goony. Uh, but here's what I want you to do, right? I want you to visualize you in five years. All right, so, so whatever age you are right now, just add five years to that and visualize you in five years. Uh, so based on where you are right now, kind of based on where your life is, um, you know, the, wherever you are, um, you know, just add five years to that and kind of imagine yourself what you will be, who you'll be uh, in five years from now. So kind of let me give you a couple categories to think about. So I'll give you four different categories in your life to think about, uh, big kind of areas of, of our life that impact our life. Firstly, think about your spiritual life, right? Five years from now, what, what does your life look like spiritually? What does your faith look like? I mean, are you like more faithful? Are you more godly? Are you more devoted to the things of Jesus uh, based on where you are right now? What, what is your spiritual trajectory right now uh, te telling you, teaching you, uh, showing you where you'll be in five years from now? So uh, based on, on, on where you are now, where will you be spiritually five years from now? Uh, or, or perhaps maybe some, some of you, um, maybe some of you are thinking, man, I, I might have hit my spiritual peak already, you know, because like, Getting to church is becoming harder and harder, and uh, based on my current tra trajectory, you know, I might have less faith five years from now than I have right now, because it feels like uh, my, my faith is waning. It's like I'm getting lukewarm in my passion, my devotion towards Jesus. So, so consider your spiritual life five years from now, based on where you currently are at. Uh, where, where will you be? Where will you be? What, what, what will your spiritual life look like? Uh, and then think of, your, uh, think of your relational life. Um, you know, uh, think, think of your relationships you have, and maybe just we'll break them in categories. Think of your friendships that you have right now. Based on the friendships you have right now, will you be a better friend? Will you be a more godly friend? Will you be a greater influence in your friend circle uh, than you currently have? Will your friends be richer, deeper, more meaningful? Will you be holding each other accountable in rich, meaningful, deep ways? Or uh, will, will you probably, you know, based on where you are right now, will you have um, fewer friends? Um, and, and maybe the friends that you do have, maybe they aren't great friends. Maybe they're just kind of fair-weather friends. Maybe they're just, uh, you know, uh, friends that, that maybe aren't even a good influence in you, so in your friends. And think about your marriage and your other parts of your relationship. Think about your marriage. Based on where your marriage is right now, will your marriage be uh, better, sweeter? Will you have more intimacy, more companionship? Will it be richer than you would have ever imagined five years from now? Or based on where you currently are right now, um, you know, some of you are thinking, man, uh, I might not even be married. <laughs> based on the way we're going right now, you know, we're fighting a lot. Uh, we, we have the level of trust is waning. Uh, you know, so think about your marriage. Like, where will your marriage be five years from now? Uh, think of your parenting. You know, five years from now, if you, those of you have parents, uh, have kids, you know, how will your relationship be with your kids? Will it be richer, deeper? Will you have this beautiful trust? Uh, or will it be kind of, you know, suspicious and hard and difficult um, based on where you are right now? And then think about your, um, 
your financial life, right? Your financial life based on where you are right now, uh, five years from now, uh, will you be uh, more generous, have more financial margin? Will you uh, be out of debt? Will you have no car payments, maybe no mortgage payments? You know? uh, where will you be financially five years from now based on your current trajectory? What is your current trajectory in your financial life uh, informing, telling you about where you'll be maybe in the next five years? Uh, or maybe for some of you, maybe you'll be, you know, same as above, right? You'll be still living paycheck to paycheck. But now there's just more financial pressure because you're deeper in debt because now you're five years deeper in debt. Uh, you know, where, where will you be financially five years from now uh, based on, on where you are currently? And, and then finally, just think about your physical life. You know, physically, based on where you are now physically, five years from now, where will you be? Here's the good news, you know, no matter how old you are, five years from now, you can actually still be stronger than you are right now, today, uh, based on your, your current trajectory, depending on what, what habits and things you're doing in your life right now, you can actually be stronger and healthier. Or based on where you're currently at, if you continue that same trajectory, uh, will you be weaker? Will you be, you know, dealing with more preventable health issues than, than maybe you should be? Uh, so where will you be, you know, in, in those different areas of your life, um, spiritually, relationally, financially, physically, based on, on where you are right now. Now, obviously, there, there are external factors at play. Yeah, we all know that, right? Things happen in life that we have absolutely no control over. We have, you know, un unforeseeable, unpreventable diseases that happen. We have, you know, car accidents, and we have financial meltdowns, and we have global pandemics. We have all kinds of external factors uh, that will play in. Uh, but here's the thing. Uh, with, with the exception of those external factors... You can actually fairly, you know, safely predict where you're going to be based on five, you know, five years from now. Um, and, and do you know why? Because your habits, the things that you're doing, right, today will determine uh, where you will be tomorrow, right? Your habits will determine who you become tomorrow. Um, and, and I don't have to convince you this is true because you already know this is true because you've got evidence of it in your life. Right? You are currently where you are right now today based, you know, with the exception, of course, of some external factors, but that's kind of more the exception than it is the rule. You are here today, wherever you are financially, spiritually, relationally, based on your, your, your lifestyle choices, the decisions, the habits, the behaviors that are on autopilot that impact your daily life. Uh, you are here, who you are today, based on those habits. And so therefore, you know, you can fairly safely say where you'll be or who you'll be, the you in five years to now, will be determined by the habits you have today, right? And that's a powerful truth for us to consider, right? So uh, here's another introspective question I want you to consider. Um, do you like the direction your current habits are taking you? Like, you know, if you, you spend some time thinking through those things, do you like that current direction your habits are taking? Do you like the trajectory, your life choices, uh, your current habits? Um, because here's something that is really critically important for us to understand. Okay, you guys ready? This is really important. So jot this down. It's in your notes. Fill in the blank kind of thing. Intentions do not determine direction. Right? You can have all the good intentions to be financially independent, you know, five years from now. You can have all the great intentions to be physically strong and healthy five years from now. You can have great intentions to have a wonderful marriage five years from now. You can have great intentions to, 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 to have all these life changes happen in your life. But those good intentions aren't going to count one little bit unless your habits align with them, all right? 
Intentions do not determine the direction of your life. You know, your your habits do. We said this earlier in the series that even hope, as wonderful as hope is, right? Um, Hope alone will not change your life, right? What will change your life are your habits. Those things you do on the daily, those behaviors that are on autopilot that you don't even know that you're doing because they become the habits, right? You don't even have to think about doing them. You just do them. Those are the things that will determine the trajectory of your life. Good intentions don't determine directions, but your habits do. Um, So what does the you in five years look like, right? And do you like that image, the visualization that you kind of had? Is that based on where you currently are? Is that a realistic image for you to kind of um, have of yourself? It's not just a good intention, but based on the things that you're doing today, uh, does it make sense that that's the right image that you have of the you in five years? And so uh, let me take you to a passage of Scripture. Uh, and honestly, this Scripture is pretty convicting. So you guys ready to be convicted? Right? The Scripture says, I love what God says about His own Word. He said it's like a two-edged sword, Right? I don't know, anytime the, sword, the word, word of God is like described as a sword, you know it's going to cut a little bit, right? So some of you are going to bleed a little bit tonight. Is that okay? All right. So it'll be good, right? I mean, it says of God's word that, that it judges um, both the, like the, um, our thoughts and our attitudes. And, and here's the thing I love about God in, in just by his nature. God's judgments are never condemnations, right? They're convictions, right? They're meant to change us. They're meant to to, to convict us of of us going in one direction and then encourage us to move to another direction. And so the Word of God, uh, you know, has this ability to judge our inner thoughts and our motivations. And so... Um, so, so my hope is that we'll be convicted because I was convicted uh, by this passage uh, this week as I looked at it. So um, I'm assuming some of you are going to as well. So Galatians chapter 6, you've got a copy of the scriptures. You can open up there. Um, that's where we're going to be. We're going to pick it up in verse 7, and this is what it says. Do not be deceived. Turn to your neighbor and say, do not be deceived. I love that. The, the, I, I, I looked at what, what that word deceive in the original language, and uh, the most literal translation of that is don't be stupid. <laughs> so turn to your neighbor and say, don't be stupid. All right, don't be stupid. All right, don't be stupid. Uh, it says, don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. All right, God cannot be mocked. Um, and then Paul goes on, and he gives us two, he uses really harsh and stark language. It's not harsh, it's just stark. It's the, the contrasts are really stark. And he gives us basically two options, and this is what he says. First, he says, don't be deceived, right? Don't be stupid, right? God, you can't mock God, right? In other words, there's some things that God has put in place that cannot be shifted and changed, right? That, that are going to play out in your life, whether you believe it or not, whether you like it or not. Things are going to play out. And so this is what he says. He says, a man reaps what he sows. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Someone say destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Say eternal life. All right? So, so two very starkly contrasted kind of outcomes here, right? On one hand, you, you got sowing to the flesh, right? And the outcome of that is destruction, right? In, in other words, option number one is basically, if you have habits that reflect your, your sinful desires, your fleshly desires, the desires of this world and the kingdoms of this world, right? Uh, from that nature, from those sinful habits, you will reap death and destruction. The second option, right, that Paul puts to us, very stark here, is the one who sows to please the Spirit, 
from the Spirit will reap eternal life. And so he says, if you have habits that reflect God's nature, from those godly habits, you will reap godliness and eternal life, right? So two very starkly contrasted outcomes in life, right? And so Paul says, don't be stupid, right? Don't be deceived, right? You can't mock God, right? There, there are forces at, at, at play in this world that will have outcomes, whether you believe it or not, whether you accept it or not. These things are going to have their outcomes. And so he says, you know, you have these two options in life. You can either, you know, sow into your flesh, which are, are the bad sinful habits that so oftentimes are reflected in our bad sinful habits. And then out of that, the outcome will be death and destruction. And on the other hand, you can then sow into the spirit. You, you, can, you, can, you can practice good, godly, God-honoring habits in your life, practices in your life. And the outcome of that will be godliness and eternal life. You reap what you sow. So the question I asked you earlier, right, um, may well be the most important question that you can answer in regard to your life's outcomes, right? Do you like the direction your current habits are taking you? Those things that you do on the daily that are just on autopilot, you've done them for years. You just kind of keep doing them. You don't even remember why you started doing them, but you just do them all the time. And we talked a lot about the whole psychology of habits and why habits begin and why good habits are hard to start and why bad habits are hard to... So if you missed any of these series, I really encourage you to, to, to follow up and either read the book, which is great because there's a lot in Craig's book that we haven't covered here, or just go to whypinachapel.com or YouTube and just download those messages because they're all building on one another. In fact, let me just take a minute to review, just so we kind of to catch everyone up on the same page here. All right, so uh, in week one, uh, as we began this series, we, we laid a foundational principle, and we said this, that, um, that behavioral, uh, sorry, that real lasting change is not, is not behavior modification. It's not just changing external behaviors, but, but real and lasting change requires spiritual transformation. It requires uh, us allowing the power of God, the Word of God, the Spirit of God to change us from the inside out, to change our motivations, to change the way we think, to literally change our hearts. Um, because that change will last. If, it, if we're simply modifying our behavior, eventually those behaviors return. Right? And so we need that internal change to come in. So in order for that to happen, we need to have a spiritual motivation for doing the change that we want, right? And so, for instance, we, we talked about physical change and financial change. So, for instance, if, if, I, want to, um, if I want to change my financial life, and I, because I'm just sick and tired of being broke, right? And, and so I, I, I want to change it. Like, that motivation will only get me so far. But if I come to the internal recognition that the reason I want to change my, the way I use my money is because I understand that everything that I have belongs to God. And so I want to honor God with my finances. I want to steward it well so that I can be a blessing and to be generous to others. That motivation, that spiritual why becomes a far more compelling motivation in my life. So we have to begin with the spiritual why. Right? And so we talked about spiritual transformation and the spiritual why in week one. In week two, we talked about your spiritual who, right? We, we talked about how the, the reason you do the things you do is because of what you think of you, right? That, that, that identity is a driver of behavior. And so what you think of you drives your behavior. And we also we talked about that what you think of you is not the truest thing about you, right? What other people think of you is not the truest thing about you. 
But what God thinks about you, especially for those of us redeemed in Christ, right? The identity we have in Christ becomes a powerful driver of our behavior. And so we ask the question in week two, uh, what is one habit? Um, what, what is one habit that, that, that you need to change in order to become the person that God created you to be? And for us, the becoming is a who, right? We're becoming like Jesus as Christians, as followers. And I don't assume all of us here are Christians today, but if you are a Christian or you're thinking about becoming a Christian, that's the goal of the Christian life, is to become more and more like Jesus. And that's the process. And so we're in the process of becoming. And so the, so the becoming is the who in the person of Jesus. So based on, on who you're becoming, who God is calling you to become, what is one habit uh, you, you need to, to start in your life, you put it in your place. So that's your, your what. Your what are your spiritual habits. And then we talked about your what not in week three, right? Uh, uh, the, the, what is the one habit that you need to stop, right? Because sometimes there are things that we do in our life, these automatic behaviors um, that are actually hindering us, sometimes even preventing us from becoming the person that God created us to become. So what is that one habit you need to stop? And, and then in week five, if you recall, we, we kind of gave you, gave you a spiritual how, right? And I thought this was a very, last week was a very powerful message um, that, that we need to stop trying to be better people, right? Stry, stop trying to become the people that God has created us and start training to become the people that God has created us to be, right? Uh, and so we've we got to stop trying. We've got to start training. We're, we're told throughout Scripture to train ourselves in godliness. And, and so, you know, if, if you're trying, uh, you're simply trying to become something you're not currently. But if you're training, you're simply trying to get better at something you already are. And God, for you, Christian, says that you are redeemed, that you are forgiven, that you have the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. Therefore, you have all the spiritual fruit indwelling you, just ready to come out, right? Patience and self-control and love and faithfulness. It's all bubbling in you internally. And so you need to train yourself how to be more patient because you already are patient. You need to train yourself in generosity. You need to train yourself in compassion. You need to train yourself to become better at who you already are. When someone say amen, that's good news, right? God, God, is, God has kind of set you up to succeed. He set you up to win. So Paul said, you know, everyone runs a race, right? And, and so you need to run to win, right? You need to run to win. And so instead of trying to be better and giving yourself an excuse when you fail, uh, you, you just keep training, right? Because when you're training, you're never failing, right? Because you're training, right? And so you, you, when you train, you got to just work yourself until muscle fatigue, and then you got to get up and do it again, right? Because that, that's what you're doing. You're training. You're training to become who God has called you to be. And then um, this week, we're going to talk about your spiritual impact, right? The spiritual impact of all of that. And so we're going to look at uh, um, the, the biblical law of sowing and reaping. Um, and, and over time, uh, what, what we'll see in Scripture, the truth that, that God declares to us in Scripture, that, that you will reap what you sow, right? So the things that you're putting in, right, to your life right now, um, especially in regard to your habits, ultimately will produce a, a reward or a harvest. And, and for some, it's going to be good because you're sowing good seed. And for others, it's not going to be such great outcomes, right? So, um, so we, we're going to talk about uh, the habits, because your habits are critically important, because your habits today will shape who you become tomorrow. So the law of sowing and reaping, um, it is a law because it's true. And that means it's universally true, right? Now, you don't have to believe it's true for it to be true. 
you don't even have to acknowledge it for it to be true. For instance, the law of gravity, right? The law of gravity is true. I might not believe in the law of gravity, and so if I were to climb out, go out of this room, climb up to the top of the sanctuary roof, and step off the edge, the law of gravity is going to take effect whether I believe in it or not, right? I'm going to fall down. I'm not going to fall up. No one ever falls up. Everyone falls down, right? It doesn't matter who you are, where you are, what culture you live in, what your religious belief is. The law of gravity is going to take effect upon your body and you will fall down, right? And so the, 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 spirit, the law of, of, of sowing and reaping is the same way. It is universally true. Whether you believe it or not, it's going to impact your life. And so what I want to show you tonight through God's Word is um, four truths from the, the law of sowing and reaping that, that will impact your life that I think are, are really important for us to understand because it helps us in this process of becoming. And so uh, three truths of sowing and reaping. I'll give you them right up front, and then I will go back and we'll unpack them one by one. So the truth number one, you reap what you sow, right? Pretty obvious. This is what we talked about. It's right directly out of the Scripture. You reap what you sow. Truth number two is you reap more than you sow. Someone say more, right? You reap more than you sow. And then truth number three, you reap after you, after you sow. When do you reap? After you sow, right? So you re reap what you sow, you reap more than you sow, and you reap after you sow. So uh, let's say all three of those together. Can we do that on the count of three? All right, one, two, three, go. Truth number one, you reap what you sow. Truth number two. Truth number three. All right. You guys are good. You guys are good. So number one, truth. Uh, you reap what you sow. Now, this is a law that I think we all understand from the natural world. If you've ever uh, been around a farm or been a farmer, or even if you like to garden, putts around in the garden, you've seen this law at work, right? If you plant a papaya seed, right, you don't get an apple tree. What do you get? Papaya seed, right? You reap what you sow, right? If you, you, you plant a papaya seed, you get a papaya. You're not going to get an apple tree. You're not going to get a, a, a pear tree. You're going to get a papaya tree. Now, it's important to understand that we see this truth, obviously, very, very clearly in the natural world. But it's important for us to understand that this truth permeates every aspect of your life and every aspect of my life. You reap what you sow. You plant good godly habits. You'll reap good godly outcomes. You pad ungodly, sinful habits, you will reap ungodly, sinful outcomes. That's just the way of life. It's going gonna, it's gonna to impact your life. This is a law that will impact your life whether you believe me or not. I mean, I don't really, you know, believe me, don't believe me. But I guarantee you it will impact your life. Um, and this is exactly what Scripture says. So look what um, the prophet Hosea writes. He says, but you have planted wickedness. Someone say wickedness. And you have reaped good. No, it doesn't say that. You plant wickedness, what do you reap? Evil, right? Why? Because you plant and then you reap. And you, and you reap what you sow, right? And so, so if you get to plant wickedness, you will reap evil. So, for instance, um, in your work habits, right? If, if you show up, work, up to work late every day um, and you got a bad attitude at work because you were out partying all night and you're hungover and you're grumpy, and, and chances are you're not going to get promoted, it's probably most likely you're going to get fired, right? And it's not because your boss doesn't like you, right? It's because you, you just have, don't have, you've been planting bad work habits. That's why, right? And so, for, for instance, if, um, if, um, 
You know, your habit is to eat every, you know, whatever you want, right? And, and, and you never exercise, and you drink a 24-ounce, you know, jug of Mountain Dew with lunch every day, right? Uh, and you're always getting sick, and you never have, have any energy to do anything. Um, and it's not because you're being punished, right? You know, it's not a punishment. It's a harvest, right? You reap what you sow, right? Um, the, the same thing, you know, like if, if, if you're sowing seeds of lust, right? And you're looking at porn every night, and you and you lusting after women, and you objectifying women, and you're wondering why you know you have no intimacy in your marriage, and you wonder why uh, your your wife just doesn't seem to get you. It's not because she doesn't get you, right? It's because you've been sowing bad seeds, and so you're getting a bad outcome. And so oftentimes, you know, we, 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 never, we don't make the correlation. It's weird. It's like it, it seems like it's so simple and basic. But, it, but we don't make this correlation in life, that we simply reap what we sow, right? Now, obviously, there's always exceptions to it. And you probably, you know, you probably are coming up with some exceptions right now. Some of you are going like, yes, but pastor, this happened. The general law at work is that we reap what we sow. Um, so... Yes, that's the bad news, right? You know, especially in regard to the bad habits, right? Here's the good news. If you don't like what you're reaping, by the power of God, you can change what you're sowing. Come on, that should be good news to some of you, right? If you don't like what you're reaping, right, you can simply change by the power of God what you are sowing. Um, so, so if you don't like what you're getting back, right, change what you're putting in, right? If you don't like it, the way your marriage relationship is going, Consider what you're putting into your marriage, right? And maybe you need to start changing the input, right? If you're always grumbling or complaining or nagging or, you know, just, just, just being a, a, you know, a butthead in your marriage, <laughs> which is what my wife calls me sometimes, in love, correctively, you know, then, then stop being a butthead, you know? Just, just stop, stop the input, Right? If you don't like what you're, what you're reaping, change what you're sowing, right? Um, and, and so this is really powerful, you know, a, a powerful illustration. And this is the law. It's going to work whether you believe it or not. You can go like, Pastor, I don't believe you. You're just full of it. Uh, that's fine. Uh, but I guarantee you the outcomes that you receive in this life, apart from the exceptions, and we talked about this, sometimes there are exceptions to this, but the general law is because of what you're putting in, right? You will reap what you sow. So if you don't like what you're reaping, through the power of God, know this, you can change what you're sowing. So that's truth number one, right? You reap what you sow. Truth number two is you reap more than you sow. And this kind of ties into a principle we've talked about in the past, a principle, a kingdom principle of multiplication, right? Um, you know, this is the cool thing about God, right? When we put in, God multiplies, which is a really cool kind of dynamic that happens in the kingdom. Look how Jesus described this in Mark's gospel. And the context of what Jesus is about to say here, he's telling a parable. A parable is just a little vignette, a little story um, that, that kind of illustrates a powerful truth, right? A spiritual truth. And so uh, Jesus is talking about the sower that's going out into a field, and he's just casting out seed, right? He's sowing seed. Some of the seed falls on a path. Some of it uh, falls on stony ground. Some of it falls amongst the weeds. And all of these different areas that the seed is landing is descriptive of, of a human heart, right? I'm saying some hearts are hard, some hearts hearts are full of sea, uh, weeds, and there's all kinds of description. If you want to know more of the parable, read it. Jesus actually describes and explains the parable in, in that chapter. Uh, but 
But then he says this. He says, still other seed fell on good ground. So the good soil, right? The good soil represents people who hear and accept the word of God, right? And they respond to, to God's call to become, right? Which, which I'm assuming that's all of you. Like, again, I don't know where everyone is, but, I, but I'm assuming because you're here tonight, right? This is part of you kind of wanting to become something that you're currently not. You're, you're growing in understanding and a relationship with Jesus. You, you're curious about who God is. And so you're here tonight because you want to become uh, the person that God has created you to be. And, and so that's the good soil. So he's talking to you guys. He says, then it produces a crop, some 30, some 60, some 100 times more than what was sown. It's, 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 it's this, this beautiful, powerful principle that you reap more. Someone say more. You reap more than you sow. Um, and again, this is clearly seen in the natural world, right? Uh, if you plant a papaya tree. Um, so you plant a little papaya seed, you put it in the ground, and you know, three, four months later, the papaya tree starts growing up. About another year or two later, I don't know how long it takes a papaya tree to grow fruit, but eventually you get to get some fruit on the tree if it's in the right conditions, right? Uh, and you'll get some fruit on the tree. And every single fruit, right? So the one tree might bear, who knows, how many, how many papaya fruit grow on a tree? I don't know, a lot. And every single fruit, if you open a papaya tree, how many seeds are in it? So, so there's more seeds. Now, from that one seed, you have the capacity to plant hundreds of papaya trees, right? And, and so we see this naturally applied, this law naturally at work in nature. Um, and again, uh, th this applies to every aspect of your life. It's not just a physical law. It's also a spiritual law, that, that these laws apply to every area of our lives. And, and so you, you, you get uh, more than you sow. You reap more than you sow. Um, in his book, The Com Compound Effect, Darren Hardy summarizes the truth in one sentence. This is how he, he describes it. He says, small, smart choices plus consistency plus time equal equals a radical difference. Let me say that again. Small, smart choices plus consistency plus time equals radical difference. It, it's what, what is known as the compound effect. Now, if, if any of you spend any time, kind of, or you financial people who like kind of, you know about compound interest, right? That's, that's the idea at work here. This is the principle at work, right? Um, in, in the same book, um, Darren Hardy, he, he tells a story to illustrate this. He tells a story of the doubling penny. Some of you might have heard this before. Um, but he says, um, if I were to offer you um, $3 million right now, say, so like, I'll give you $3 million, or I will give you one penny that has this magical power to double uh, every, every day, um, which would you choose? The, some of you are smart, you know this already, but uh, most people would go like a, a $3 million right now, I'll take the $3 million. But here's the deal, right? Uh, after 10 days, that penny, it'll double, it, it'll be worth $5.12. No, because the idea is on day one, it becomes, you know, you'll have two pennies and then four pennies and then eight pennies and so on and so on. So by day 20, right, that penny is now worth $5,000. And you're looking at that and go like, man, I'm glad I took the $3 million, right? Because, you know, you know day 10, only $5,000, day 20. However, by day 31, that penny is worth $10 million. That's the power of compounding effect. Some of you are like going like very quiet right now. You're like, whoa, that's a lot. I took the $3 million. I should have stuck with the penny, right? Uh, but that's the idea. That's the idea of these, these small, consistent choices over time, right? Equal radical results, right? It, it's, a, it's a law at work in the world. 
And it works in the financial world, but it also works in every other area of your life as well. Uh, for instance, if you were just to choose to eat less, um, 200 calories less a day, right? 200 calories is like nothing, right? 200 calories, I'm going to speak. 200 calories less a day over a year. You know how many pounds you would lose? About 20 pounds. That's crazy. 200 calories is kind of like, you know, it's like a little scoop of rice like that. Um, but but that's, that's, that's the power of the compounding effect. So th this is the principle, right? You, you will reap more. Someone say more. You will reap more, more than you sow. So truth number one, you reap what you sow. Truth number two, you reap more than you sow. Truth number three, here it is, you reap after you sow. Someone say after, right? You reap after you sow. So uh, for instance, I plant my papaya tree. I plant it in the spring. I don't get a tree until like summer, right? It takes some time. It takes a season for that seed to sprout and do its thing and rain to come and all the things that are required for that to grow before that tree actually, and for, in the case of a pie tree, probably a number of years before you actually get any fruit from it, right? And, and this is the reason, right, why when it comes to life change, why so many of us get so discouraged, right? Because we reap after we sow, right? And we live in a culture that so wants immediate gratification, right? We want something right now. And so, for instance, right, uh, you go to the gym, right? You sign up for a gym membership. You go to the gym for the first week. You work out. And you're dying. You're hating it, right? And, and you get on the scale and, like, nothing, right? You've, like, lost maybe a pound and a half or not even less, right? It kind of fluctuates. Uh, and, and so, like, week two, still nothing. Like, you can barely run a mile without just absolutely bogging. And so you go, like, what on earth, right? Why am I even trying? Right? I'm just like it's, it does, I'm not seeing any progress whatsoever, right? Uh, and maybe may on your spiritual life, maybe you got to decide, okay, I'm going to get more godly, and so I'm going to pray every day. And so every day for the next five days, you're praying, and you're spending like 15, 20 minutes in prayer, just seeking God for some change and dramatic change in your life. And after five days, nothing. You just don't feel any different. You don't feel any more spiritual. You don't like your halo's not shining. It's just like there's nothing else that's going on. And you go like, there's no progress. So what, what's going on, right? Why even bother, right? And so we wrongly conclude that small decisions don't matter that much, right? And we have to understand for the most part, right, your life and my life, right, is, is the sum total of all the small decisions that we make every day because it's every action that you take begins to determine your direction, right? And so it's really important that we don't give up on the small little habits that we take because it's those little things, those actions, those practices, daily practices that become habits that will ultimately begin to determine the direction of your life. It's not your intentions. It's not even your hope that will change your life. It's your habits. It's the small choices that you make on the daily that will begin to change your life. So who do you want to become? Who do you want to become? What type of person do you want to be? You know, five years from now, what does you look like? You know, and, and, and with, some, with some pretty, you know, sure accuracy, barring some, ex, you know, external factors and forces out of your control, you can predict, pretty predict, pretty accurately who you will be five years from now based on who you are right now and the things that you are doing right now, those daily habits that you've put in place in your life. You know, and so, you know, if you're a follower of Jesus, right, and again, I never assume all of us are here, but, you know, my hope is that, that you know, over the, whether you're kind of new to this, but you've spent enough time 
with the Lord to understand, like, you are becoming something, right? That God has a purpose and a plan for your life, and you are being shaped. For every single one of us, the Scripture says that we are being transformed into the image, right, of Jesus Christ himself, right? We're being shaped into the image of God's children, that you are a daughter, you're a son of the living God, and God is shaping you and molding you through his spirit, by his word, right? His, his power at work in you, giving you the desires and the will to do the things that are pleasing, that you are becoming. And so my hope is that, that, that you're spending time in the word of God and enough time in the presence of God to know who it is that you are becoming. And that you're beginning to understand that real and lasting change is not simply changing some external behaviors, but it requires a spiritual transformation. It's kind of the language of the scripture is that you need to be born again, right? You need to be given a new heart, regenerated in the spirit, like a whole new DNA needs to enact. Once you were dead, but now you're alive. This whole new dynamic, internal dynamic has happened in your life, right? And now you're beginning into this process of being transformed and changed. And so so you're allowing God, cooperating with God, partnering with God in this internal change. It's not just kind of, you know, God and then you, right? Remember we talked about this, like God started something and then he leaves you to finish it. No, no, no. And it's not like God and not you. It's not like God's responsible for all the change. No, you have responsibility in it, right? You have some effort to put into it. You're working out your salvation with fear and trembling. You're doing the work not to earn God's favor, but because you have God's favor, because you already are his kid. And so now you're you're training to become his kids. So, so what are the things, you know, we've asked this, what are the things you need to, to start? What daily habits do you need to put in place in your life to become the person that God has created you to be? And perhaps what is one habit that you need to remove, right, that is hindering you, stopping you, not helping you, maybe even preventing you from becoming the person God has created you to be? And then when you realize you've got to stop trying, right? Because this is not about trying, right? Because trying, when you're trying, you've got an excuse. You've got to try, and then when it gets hard, you get to quit, right? Because you're just trying. You know, when you're trying and it doesn't feel good and you don't feel like it anymore, you just won't show up. But you're not trying. No, no, you're training, right? You're not trying to be something you're not. You're training to be better at who you already are. You are a child of God. You are redeemed. You are forgiven. You have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. You know, and so you're training to become the person that God has created you to be. So you've got to stop trying. You've got to start training, right? And you're going to allow the Word of God and the power of the Spirit of God within you to, to continue to work in and through you so that you might become the person that God has given, created you to be. Um, and the way you're living today, friends, right, the things that you put in place today, will shape who you become tomorrow, right? So the question I ask, like, do you like the direction you're going? Can you visualize the you in five years from now? Because with, with some fairly certain accuracy, you can kind of, based on who you are, the trajectory of your life right now, your spiritual life, your financial life, your relational life, you can pretty much predict where you're going to be in those areas because it's your habits, not your intentions, right, that will determine the direction of your life. Your habits will impact your spiritual life, your, 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 your daily devotion, the time you're spending in God's Word, uh, the, the time in prayer. And that will impact your spiritual life, those things that you're doing, the automatic behaviors you do daily, your financial behaviors, how you're spending your money, how you're giving your money, 
Uh, th those things will impact your financial life. They will. Um, you know, your re relational life, your physical life, the things that you're doing today will impact your future you, right? And, and so do you like the direction those habits are taking you? And, and here's the good news in all of this, right? Um, we talked about this in regard to training. Uh, <clears throat> you're not successful when you finally hit that, that, that final five-year goal, right? You're successful, right? Uh, you know, we, we, you judge your success not by the harvest that you will reap one day, but you judge your success by the seeds that you sow every day. Let me say that again, right? You, you, you don't judge your success by the harvest that one day you will, you'll actually gather and you will get a harvest, but that's not how we judge our success, right? Because we're in training, right? And every day we're training, we're winning. And every day that we're sowing good seeds, we're winning. Every day we are, we are sowing righteousness and good habits into our lives. We are winning in this race of life. And that's what you're designed to do, right? Paul says run to win, right? You're designed to win. It's the small, consistent, God-honoring habits that we embrace every day, added up over time, that will equate to a harvest of righteousness. When you consistently and faithfully honor God with the wise decisions and lifestyle choices, and you let Jesus lead you and guide you and empower you, all of that hard work, right, all of that discipline, all that sacrifice, all of that faithfulness will not be wasted. It'll be stored up, right? It's stored up. You know, you will reap what you sow. You'll reap more than you sow. And unfortunately, we reap after we sow. So for those of us who want it right away, we're not going to get it right away, but it is coming. Look what Paul says. He says, let not become weary. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't get weary, right? Don't get weary, right, in doing good, right? Don't get weary in those small, consistent things that you're doing on the daily that no one sees, right? Don't get weary of doing that, for in the proper time, in the proper time, you will reap a harvest, if you don't give up, right? If you don't give up, right? The harvest we reap will be a result of the little habits and choices we make every day of our lives, you know? And when, when that happens, right, when you reap that harvest, people turn around and look at you and go like, wow, right? You must be the luckiest person on earth, right? Look at you. You have financial margin in your life. You seem like spiritually grounded. You know, you have a great marriage. Like, you're just so lucky. You must have had a great family. And you're like, no, 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 no. You weren't lucky, Right? No, you were consistent. You were faithful, right? You, 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 you know, no one will ever see, you know, the, the hours that you spend seeking God and His Word. No one will ever see you, you struggling to kind of have your identity reshaped by the Spirit of God, allowing Him to teach you who you are and what you are, and, and countering all the lies that you've told yourself and you have been told about you. No one ever sees that work, that internal work that goes on. No one will ever see the time that you prayed and fasted, just, just longing for breakthrough in your life, longing for change in an area of your life that has been hindering you and, and just holding you back, and you know, and so you, you fasted and you prayed and you sought God for breakthrough. No one ever saw those times when you failed, right? And you were just broken and contrite on your knees, just pleading for God for His mercy, no one will ever see those times, you know, in your life, you know, when you have to endure criticism, right? Because, you know, when you start doing good, I guarantee you people are going to come out of the woodwork, right? And start poking at you, right? It just happens, right? And yet, despite the opposition, despite the failure, despite the criticism, right? You pressed on, you caught up, and you kept going, you endured, right? You did not give up. 
And you continued in those small little disciplines, the small daily activities, the habits, the things that now have become habits in your life, those godly seeds that you sowed every day, eventually, right, seeds that you were planting as you were establishing these good and godly habits in your life. And God sees it all, and he's promised in his word, in the proper time, it will produce a harvest, a harvest of righteousness, and you will reap more than you sowed. Right? You will reap more than you sow. Right? If, if, the scripture says, you don't give up. Come on, someone needs to hear that today. Because some of you are discouraged. Right? Some of you are discouraged. You've been trying to change, right? And now you just realize, I've got to stop trying and I've got to start training. But training is hard, right? And yes, it's hard, right? It is hard. This Christian life is hard. It is. It's hard to swim up current. It's hard to swim against the culture. It's hard to, to not conform yourself to the patterns of the world. It's hard to allow the Spirit of God and the Word of God to transform the way you think, right? Because the way you think is the way you think, and it's so powerful. And yet God is changing you slowly, bit by bit, day by day, based on the activities and the habits that you have adopted in your life, right? You know, if it was easy, right? There'd be no need for drug rehab facilities. If it was easy, there wouldn't be a, you know, a multi-billion dollar porn industry. If it was easy, like, there wouldn't be like a crazy divorce rate in our culture and in our times. It's not easy, right? And so we endure, right? We don't give up. We're a consistent. And consistency over time, consistency in the small choices, the little habits that we adopt, the God-honoring habits, the people-honoring habits that we adopt into our life on the daily, right? Over time, in the proper time, God says, will produce a harvest, a harvest of righteousness, right? So don't give up, right? Someone needs to hear that today. Don't give up. Turn to someone and tell them, not, don't give up. Don't give up, right? Don't give up, all right? We got to stay faithful. We got to persist. We got to press in, right? And so here's the question, right? Again, once again, you know, um, what will your life look like in five years from now? Who is the you in five years? Can you see it, all right? Based on what you're doing right now, the habits that you've adopted into your life, the daily practices of your life, um, those things will determine who you become, right? And so do you like the direction, right? Your habits are taking you. And the good news is, if you don't like the direction it's taking you, by the power of God, right, you can change, right? If you don't like what you're reaping, you can change what you're sowing. Um, and as you sow daily into those, those good seeds, those good habits, right, and you're faithful and you're consistent, over time you will receive you will receive a harvest of righteousness in your life, right? Can you see it? Can you see it five years from now? A harvest of righteousness based on the trajectory of your life right now. I pray that for each and every one of you. In fact, let me just pray for us right now. Can we do that? Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your word. Um, I pray that no matter what seeds we've planted in the past, right, uh, no matter what habits have um, either hindered us or hurt us or uh, prohibited us from becoming the people that we've become. Lord, it's not too late to change. Uh, I pray that we would have um, the courage, the faithfulness to begin to plant godly seeds. Um, and as we keep praying right now, as I, I just felt like compelled as we end this message, um, 
to encourage maybe one or two of you here tonight who've um, never really crossed the line of faith. Um, you've never fully trusted Jesus with your life. You've never really trusted Jesus with, with the things in your life that you are ashamed of, that you are embarrassed of, that you regret the bad habits that you know are hindering you of becoming the person you want to be, let alone the person God wants you to be. And you feel stuck. Let me encourage you today that the greatest seed ever planted, the greatest gift of love ever given was when God gave His only beloved Son so that, so that, that whoever believes in Him would not perish, would not have to live with the consequence of their bad habits, but they would find eternal life. They would find fullness of life. You know, and who is this Jesus? You know, Jesus is the perfect, sinless Son of God. And because of His innocent sacrifice for the forgiveness of our sins, reconciled to our true image to your true you the God the person God created you to be a child, a son, a daughter of the living God and I think if we're all honest and we take an objective look at our life we'll recognize that all of us have sinned every single one of us in this room myself included, in fact I'm probably the biggest amongst us we all have things in our lives that we've regretted, things in our lives that we are ashamed of, things that we feel guilty for, things that we deeply regret. And while we might call them mistakes, the Bible has a word for it. It calls it sin. It's falling short of God's standard. It's falling short of God's best for our lives. And every single one of us because of those sins have been separated from our Creator, separated from a holy God. But God in His great love for you and God in His great love for me would not allow that separation to divide us. And so He did the most unimaginable thing. He took on flesh the person of his son Jesus Christ and Jesus humbled himself he relinquished all his divine privileges and he became one of us and he lived amongst us and he taught us and he showed us the way back to the father and he lived in perfect obedience as a son to his heavenly father then did the most scandalous thing. He died for us. He died a brutal death on a cross. And in his death, he did the most wonderful thing. He exchanged your sin, my sin, for his righteousness. And he declared, who had ever believed in me has the right the legal standing to be called a son, a daughter of the living God. And through faith as a gift of grace, by simply acknowledging 
who Jesus is, of what he has done on your behalf, you can enter into a life with him. A life he describes as the abundant life. And he has promised to give us his spirit. His power indwelling us, giving us the will and the desire to do the things that please Him. And if you're here tonight and you just, man, you're just kind of stuck. You've been trying to change. You've been white knuckling it and just struggling and you just keep returning back to the same habits, the same sin, the same brokenness. Know that Jesus is offering you freedom tonight. And through a simple act and acknowledgement of faith, by confessing His name, calling on the name of Jesus, right now you can call on His name and you will be saved. The scripture says that if we confess our sin, knowledge that we have fallen short. He is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And there may be one or two of you here tonight that perhaps for the first time you're sensing the Spirit of God calling you by name. And He's saying, come, come all you who are weary, come all you who are tired, tired of the shame and the guilt take my yoke upon you it is easy it is light and learn from me for I'm humble I'm gentle come follow me and I will bring you life and if that's you tonight I would just encourage you to just take a radical step of faith. This might be the hardest thing you do, but it will be the most powerful thing you do. I want you to just acknowledge that you're ready to call on the name of Jesus. And to do that, I would just ask you with every head bowed right now, just to raise your hand and let me know. If you're outside in the covenant entry, I can see you out there. Thank you. I see your hand. Thank you. that day. Today is the day of salvation. Thank you, Lord. We thank you for those who say yes to you tonight, Lord. So good. For others of us, Lord, we, we've been following hard after you, and uh, we need more of you, Lord. And so I pray right now uh, for each and every one of my friends and my family here tonight, Lord, that you would fill them with your spirit same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, that you would imbue them with power, power to change, truly change, to enact a spiritual transformation at the deepest core of who we are. Change us, shape us, mold us, we pray into your image. So we give you thanks tonight, Lord. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your goodness. as an acknowledgement of the goodness of God, if you can, why don't you just stand to your feet right now, and maybe in your own way, just give, a, give the Lord a, just a, a, a call.
chorus of praise and thanks. Just stand to your feet and just say thank you. Pray out to him.